From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is CQ's Week Ahead Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. Congress returns from its 4th of July recess ready to debate an almost $22 billion financial services spending bill that's rich with controversial policy proposals. That is, if the chamber's Democrats don't disrupt business with more calls for gun control votes. Further south, Puerto Rico is defaulting on $2 billion more of debt. But Wall Street and creditors aren't panicking quite as much now that Congress passed and President Obama signed a rescue package aimed at helping the Commonwealth crawl out from its fiscal mess. The House this week may also get to vote on a plan to overhaul the mental health system. The question is how much gun control will factor into that debate and if disagreements wind up sinking the plan. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call with a look ahead to the week of July 5th with CQ Financial Services reporter Doug Sword, CQ State News reporter Jonathan Miller, and CQ Healthcare editor Rebecca Adams. Doug, the big and always controversial financial services spending bill was overshadowed before the recess by the House sit-in by Democrats calling for gun control votes. Uh, The parties will have a lot more to fight over if they ever get to this bill because it deals with the effects of the huge Dodd-Frank financial overhaul and with agencies like the IRS. One big target is something called the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. What is it, and why do Republicans want to torpedo it? It is a controversial bill, and partly because of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The the Bureau of Reform of the Bureau uh, takes up 20 out of 259 pages of that bill. The Financial Services Bill was created 10 years ago out of a bunch of other bills, and in that time since then, it has never made it to the president's desk. Uh, It is a magnet for controversial policy writers, or as people who don't like the writers call them, poison pills. Uh, It has passed the House floor only three times during that period and never gotten through the Senate. So perhaps it wasn't that surprising when uh, it got derailed uh, two Wednesdays ago, June 22nd, when Democrats staged their uh, sit-in asking for uh, some sort of gun violence legislation. As for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, as I mentioned, it is a focus of this bill and its reform. Republicans have criticized this agency to really no end. Republicans' main problem with this agency is that it is not under their control when it comes to the budget. It is separately funded by the Federal Reserve. It doesn't go through the congressional uh, appropriations process. It's got a $600 million annual budget, and the Federal Reserve supplies all of that. And also, the it is under the direction of a single person, their director, Richard Cordray. Uh, Republicans want to put this agency under the congressional appropriations process, and they want to replace Cordray with a five-member commission uh, that would be appointed by the president and Congress. The Bureau was set up uh, as part of the Dodd-Frank Act because the Federal Reserve had done such a terrible job at uh, regulating uh, residential mortgages. There were there were deceitful, misleading, uh, fraudulent mortgages. Uh, the Federal Reserve was responsible for regulating that. They did not. The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau was part of the Dodd-Frank Act. They were created to regulate and monitor this industry and all financial products. They're trying to put some strings attached. They want to have a say every year in how much the money uh, it gets and, and who runs it. Well, and they and the Bureau also is proposed two of the three big controversial rules this year. You remember the fiduciary rule. We have the arbitration rule and the payday lending rule. And the, the bill includes uh, 
defunding any effort by the Bureau at, uh, at uh, implementing uh, its two rules. Now, Republicans also want to cut the IRS's budget to pre-2008 levels. Is this still about the hard feelings from that controversy over charges the agency targeted conservative political groups? Very much so. Uh, it gets referred to, to that what happened in 2013 gets referred to specifically in the bill in, in at least a couple of areas. There's uh, dozens of policy writers within the bills and amendments queued up to be heard. One of the uh, more interesting amendments that are coming up is uh, an amendment to take Commissioner John Koskinen's uh, salary and set it at zero. Uh, uh. Along with this spending bill and the 70 amendments it's attracted, you've also been tracking another alphabet soup agency. You have a lot of those on your beat, FSOC, which is the Financial Stability Oversight Council. That one regulates non-bank companies that could threaten U.S. financial stability if they fail. And that list is now down to just two companies? Yes. As an aside, the, uh, the financial services bill has a number of riders on FSOC, on the, on the council, uh, that would uh, bar them from, they may be down to two people, two companies on their too big to fail list on the non-bank side. They would be barred by one amendment of adding any more. Now, the list, the list changed just this last week because uh, General Electric Capital was taken off the list. And as, by way of explanation, it, it's called the Systemically Important Financial Institutions List, which was a Dodd-Frank terminology that is the same as too big to fail. You hear about too big to fail all the time. And every bank, there's more than 30 of them, that has more than $50 billion in assets was put on the too big to fail list. But Dodd-Frank uh, uh, created the Financial Stability Oversight Council, which is all the regulators. It's the Federal Reserve and the, the CFPB and uh, the SEC to look at non-banks and which ones should be regulated by the Federal Reserve, get an extra level of regulation, because it was AIG, if you remember, in 2008, that got the biggest piece of bailout money out there, $185 billion. And AIG is on the list, so is Prudential. MetLife was on the list, but a court took them off on March 30th. And GE Capital, uh, well, they sold about $200 billion worth of their business, so they aren't too big to fail anymore. Now, Jonathan Miller, uh, President Obama signed a rescue package for Puerto Rico last Thursday, just a day before the island was to default on $2 billion of debt. Uh, that was a rare bipartisan legislative effort, but it gives broad power over the island's finances to an oversight board. Uh, who's going to be in charge? So, yeah, the short answer is Republicans are going to be the ones in charge. The longer answer is we don't know, and there's going to be a lot of interest on that front in the coming weeks and months. Um, that said, the board will be appointed by the president, and he must do so by September 15th. But six of those members will come from lists provided by leaders in Congress, um, and the president will have one pick all to himself. And only one member of that board will be a resident or a business owner in Puerto Rico, and that, that angered a lot of Democrats and people in Puerto Rico as well. Um, most people believe, though, that in the end, the board will probably have about three or four residents or you know, um, business owners in Puerto Rico. Now, the Democrats were also concerned that some language inserted into the bill could erode minimum wage and overtime pay standards for the island's workers. How likely is that to actually happen? So, yeah, a lot of Democrats in the Senate and the House said this was a big reason they voted against the bill. Um, it was because of these provisions. 
But when it comes to the minimum wage, um, under this bill, it could be as low as four twenty-five an hour for um, some younger workers. But the practical matter is that you, the minimum wage probably won't be lowered at all. That's because the governor of Puerto Rico is the one who would authorize it to be lowered. He's a Democrat. Almost everybody in Puerto Rico is a Democrat, and they've said they're not going to lower it. So it's probably not going to happen. On the overtime rule, this is the rule that was put out by the Labor Department that's going to be in effect in December. That will have an impact. So those who make under $47,000 a year now get, will get time and a half. The bill does block Puerto Rico workers from access to the new rule, but it could get access to it down the road if local and federal government agree it won't hurt the economy. Hedge funds snapped up a lot of the bonds the island issued for pennies on the dollar. Uh, are they going to be made whole in this process or at least go to the front of the line for any repayments? Probably not on both fronts. There was a lot of wrangling over this exact issue um, when they were crafting the bill. And um, as a lot of our listeners are aware, um, hedge funds employed a similar tactic that happened in Argentina, which just this year settled its debt mess after 15 years of, of negotiating and court fights. So the hedge funds, what they did was, as you said, they snapped up the, the debt that was for pennies on the dollar. It was super cheap. And then they held out until what they got what they wanted. That said, there are hedge funds that have been negotiating with the government even before the bill was passed. So now the House Republicans who wrote this bill said that the priority of the bondholders will be respected. In other words, those who have senior debt will get to the front of the line. Those who have you know more junior debt will go further down the line. But in the end, it's likely that bondholders, hedge funds, whomever, are going to need to take a haircut. They're going to need to get less than what they were expecting. You've written that this arrangement in some ways resembles the one that was imposed on Washington, D.C. in the 1990s. In that case, there was a big partisan hue and cry, and that eventually dissipated, right? Right, yeah. The Anthony Williams, who was both the chief financial officer and later mayor of Washington uh, in the 90s, spoke about this on several occasions um, when he appeared before Congress in hearings, and that was his assessment, that, that there was this big hue and cry, and then it eventually went away when people just saw the impacts the board was having on the city. It's really unclear how the board will play out in Puerto Rico. Right now, there's a lot of talk, both in Congress and there on the island, calling it neocolonialism. Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey was on the floor of the Senate saying that it treats the citizens like, like, like they were treated like subjects, not citizens, with this board. It's probably the reason the non-voting member of Congress who is running for election there in Puerto Rico lost. Um, he was a big supporter of this bill. He's a big supporter of the board. And he basically said that there was not going to be that debt restructuring portion in the bill if they didn't get this oversight board. So, Rebecca Adams, the House is set to take up the mental health bill that has been years in the making. Uh, Republicans blame most mass shootings on terrorism or on people with mental illness. Uh, is this going to be a proxy for another gun control fight? Well, the issues are linked in the public mind. Um, but House Speaker Paul Ryan of Wisconsin is trying diligently to avoid that kind of fight. We saw a lot of passion around this issue during the sit-in in the House. But Speaker Ryan has structured this under suspension of the rules. So that limits debate to 40 minutes. And most importantly, it bans 
demands amendments. Democrats cannot offer an amendment. Now, we'll see if they try to delay the, the debate in other ways, whether they use parliamentary tactics like motions to adjourn or other things. But remember, this is a bipartisan bill, and so we expect it to move forward. Republican Congressman Tim Murphy of Pennsylvania, he's a psychologist who's drawn on his experience to be the Republican's point man on mental health issues. Uh, this overhaul that he wrote at one point, it really went into some sensitive areas like changing privacy rules, but that's no longer the case, right? That's right. Um, that was the big hang-ups for this bill. Last year it moved out of committee, but on a very, bipart a very partisan basis. And so Murphy was unable to move the bill forward until he compromised on this issue. What he wanted was to allow family members or caregivers to have more access to the records of their loved ones with mental illness. He felt as if parents couldn't help their children, their adult children, for example, who were struggling with mental illness. But Democrats said that this could really violate the privacy of those patients, and they really were not able to reach an agreement so what we are left with is a very modest provision that's a non-binding sense of Congress that the Health and Human Services Department should come up with some sort of rules to clarify this area. Now, also in your health realm, uh, House and Senate negotiators uh, this coming week uh, are expected to continue to work on a compromise package to address the misuse of opioid painkillers. This is uh, another big health concern, especially in some outlying areas. What are the odds that the conferees gain some traction? Well, the opioids bill is the most likely piece of legislation to get enacted this year. It's a pretty modest bill. It authorizes grants. The House and Senate versions are very similar. Um, there are some disagreements about whether these grant programs should come out of existing programs and should be funded with new money or not. But remember this also, this bill does not appropriate or fund these programs. It just sets them up and allows them to exist. So it ought to be very easy to make progress. It ought to be easy to reconcile these different versions, but nothing is all that easy in an election year. Nothing's that easy, but at least it's not a lot of new spending or something like that that triggers a flashpoint. So, right. so is this important enough to stand on its own, or will any deal that comes about have to be rolled into some other maybe bigger piece of legislation? We could see either avenue, but I suspect that it has enough support to get through on its own. It's one of those rare pieces of legislation that passed with very broad bipartisan support. CQ Health Editor Rebecca Adams, thank you. My thanks, too, to financial services reporter Doug Sword and to state news reporter Jonathan Miller. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts. Have a good week.